Genesis. The beginning. We will have a look at it, how it happened. He spoke. And then, the result, it was there. How man was created, human beings. We will have a look how the problems started in the Garden of Eden. And we will have a look how the different languages developed. And how this earth was destroyed by a flood. And everything what we can see now in nature, land, it's came to see. It's a product of this flood. And then how God created Abraham. It's a wonderful journey we are traveling. So I invite you to be with us. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to study the biblical book of Genesis. Lesson 13, Israel in Egypt. Our memory text for this week. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. Genesis chapter 47, verse 27. So Genesis, this book, covers the last years of Jacob and Joseph together. Jacob is confronted with the truth. So when his sons come back from Egypt, they have wagons for all the goods that they are brought down to Egypt. And Jacob uh, can't believe his eyes. <laughs> he has never seen anything like that before. Egyptian wagons. And his sons tell him, Joseph is alive. Now this is something, it, it must have been something like a, a shock. Uh, we read in Genesis chapter 45, verse 25. And they went up out of Egypt, so... Joseph's brothers, and came into the land of Canaan and to Jacob their father. And I'm sure they have <laughs> all the way back in their mind who is going to tell him <laughs> the father, who is going to tell the truth. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. 
and Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. <laughs> That's an interesting word. And Israel said, it's enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Jacob goes to Joseph. Now imagine the old man. Ah, Jacob has experienced times of happiness and times of sadness, deep sadness. He had such a joy when he was married to Rachel. And then she died, giving birth to the second son, Benjamin. It was a shock. Then he had so much joy with Joseph. What a fine boy. And then, this colored cloth, torn, dipped in blood, and his reaction, a wild beast has devoured Joseph. And for 22 years he did not know the truth. From time to time a person told me that she had been in in, another, in other thoughts, because someone hadn't told the truth. And when you discover the real truth, it is a shock. And we fret here. Jacob's heart fainted. He believed them not. But then we read in chapter 46 in the book of Genesis, and Israel took his journey with all that he had <laughs> and came to Beersheba. And, and now that's important, he offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. Interesting. So Beersheba is at, at the border of the desert. It's the last village where you have water. Beersheba means well. Uh, seven wells, and there he offers sacrifices. And what's the reaction of God? And God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. <laughs> Normally it's only one word, Jacob, but now he's, oh, maybe his hearing of his ears isn't so good as well. <laughs> it's now Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. Ah, fear not. 
Why not? For I will there make of you a great nation. He tells him the future. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of you a great nation. I will go down with you into Egypt. I will go down with you into Egypt. And I will also surely bring you up again. So, the descendants. And Joseph shall put his hand upon your eyes when he is about to die. Jacob settles in Egypt. And then we read that all the souls of Jacob's family and the servants and all the sheep and goats and asses and what they had, all they came down to his wives and so on. And there were about 70 people. And then in chapter 46, verse 29, we read, And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Twenty-two years when Jacob thought for 22 years Joseph is dead and how he was alive and ruler in Egypt and sent all the wagons and they could settle in the best land of Egypt. Ah, unbelievable. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you are yet alive. It's enough for him. He wanted to see that Joseph alive. Imagine this, this meeting. They haven't seen each other for 22 years. And then coming together again. And this is something we will experience when we will be on the new earth. When all the dead people who have believed in God, who have trusted in Him, who have repented and brought their sins to Jesus and have relied on this promise, I have paid the price for you. Jesus paid on the cross with His blood for our guilt. And then, when we, after maybe centuries, centuries later, will meet again. When people who have lived 1,000 years ago will be risen from the dead. We will meet people of the Bible. Joseph, Jacob, Isaac, 
Abraham, Adam, and Eve. When we meet the Apostle Paul and the Apostles, all of them, and when we meet Jesus, what a meeting this will be. Jacob blesses Joseph's sons. Yeah, and then is Jacob presented to the Pharaoh. Yeah, and not all the brothers of Joseph's are presented before the Pharaoh. Jacob is there, of course, and Joseph selects five of the ten brothers. So the better ones, those who, <laughs> who were able how, how to behave themselves in front of the king of Egypt. We read in chapter 47, verse 2, And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. So he knew whom he could present, and he knew whom he could not present in front of the Pharaoh. So if you have ten brothers, not, not all ten are of the same quality, you know. <laughs> so the best ones, they were presented there. Because Joseph was of such a different quality, and he did not want the Pharaoh to be shocked. Yes, and they are there. And then the Pharaoh, he says, in verse 6 in chapter 47, the land of Egypt is before you. In the best of the land, make your father and brethren to dwell. This is the word of the Pharaoh to Joseph. In the best of the land, make your father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen, let them dwell. And if you know any man of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. Interesting. Man of activity. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Man of activity. These are not lazy ones. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now that's interesting. Normally, the more prominent person blesses the not so much prominent person. And who is Jacob? <laughs> He's a leader of a family of 70 people. And the Pharaoh is king of Egypt. Imagine the difference. It's a huge difference, isn't it? But Jacob blesses the Pharaoh as if he were the higher one, the, the more prominent one. And then he's asked, how old are you? And Jacob said to him, 130 years. He was 130. So we know how old he was when Joseph was sold to Egypt and he was told that maybe a wild animal has, wild beast has devoured him. There was 
108, and now he is 130. And verse 10 again, And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And then they settle in Goshen. And they are nourished by Joseph. All his brethren. Jacob blesses his sons. The time will come when we have to die. So for Jacob, the time came as well. And then he called all his sons together and had a blessing for each of them. And we read the blessing of the two sons of Joseph in chapter 48, and then in chapter 49, Jacob's dying blessing. And for each son, he had a special blessing. And interesting what he told about Judah, verse 8. Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. Uh -huh, something special. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Ah, so here is a foretelling that Judah will become a very prominent tribe. And not one of Joseph's sons. Ephraim and Manasseh, they, they became prominent as well. But Judah became even more prominent because in Judah is Jerusalem and there the temple would be erected in the future. So, a thousand years after that. What goes on here? Verse 9, Judah is a lion's well. From the prey, my son, you are gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter, now this is a verse, a messianic verse, verse 10. In chapter 49, the verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from him between his feet, until Shiloh come. Shiloh, that's the Messiah. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Interesting. Imagine. 2,000 years. Nearly 2,000 years before Christ appeared on the scene as a human being. This foretelling, this prophecy was made. Judah is the one. That's the special tribe. Because out of Judah, the Messiah came, the Shiloh. Wow, what a text. Here, Genesis 49, verse 10. Here we read that something will happen. And therefore the people of Israel, they waited and waited for the Messiah. It had been foretold 
centuries, thousands of years before. But then when he came, the leaders did not want to bow in front of him and did not want to humble themselves. They wanted to use him as an instrument to increase the power, but not to obey. And that's the difference. The hope of the promised land. In Genesis 49, in verse 29, at the end of this blessing of all the sons of Jacob, he said, and he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. So not I am dying, I am gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim, the Hittite in Canaan. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephraim, the Hittite, for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah, the purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And it is interesting, he wanted to be buried not in Egypt, but in the promised land. Verse 33, and when Jacob had made an end of commanding, his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And now we're in chapter 50, verse 1, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. He wept upon him and kissed him. What a scene. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. We have found such prominent persons which have been who have been embalmed thousands of years ago. So the Egyptians, they were specialists in doing that. <clears throat> And forty days were fulfilled for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those which I embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and then days. So a great man had fallen. But he slept. And he will be resurrected at Jesus' return. So what a hope. And why did Jacob want to be buried in the promised land? He wanted to be there where his father and his grandfather had been buried. Where his wife and his mother and his grandmother had been buried. 
the only piece of land they had ever possessed there in the land of Canaan. And Jacob had got the promise, we all together as a nation will live there. Summary. We read in the book by White, Patriots and Prophets, page 239 and 240. The life of Joseph illustrates the life of Christ. Huh. It was envy that moved the brothers of Joseph to sell him as a slave. They hoped to prevent him from becoming greater than themselves. And when he was carried to Egypt, they flattered themselves that they were to be no more troubled with his dreams, that they had removed all possibility of their fulfillment. But their own course was overruled by God to bring about the very event that they designed to hinder. So the Jewish priests and elders were jealous of Christ, fearing that he would attract the attention of the people from them. They put him to death to prevent him from becoming king. But they were thus bringing about this very result. So therefore the life of Joseph illustrates the life of Christ. Envy here and envy there. They wanted to kill. In the end, the dreams came true, the visions. Joseph, through his bondage in Egypt, became a savior to his father's family. Yet this fact did not lessen the guilt of his brothers. So the crucifixion of Christ by his enemies made him the redeemer of mankind the savior of the fallen race and ruler over the whole world. But the crime of his murderers was just as heinous as though God's providential hand had not controlled events for his own glory and the good of man. As Joseph was sold to the heathen by his own brothers, so Christ was sold to his bitterest enemies by one of his disciples. Illustration. The life of Joseph. Illustration of the life of Jesus. Joseph was falsely accused and thrust into prison because of his virtue. So Christ was despised and rejected because his righteous, self-denying life was a rebuke to sin. And though guilty of no wrong, he was condemned upon the testimony of false witnesses. And Joseph's patience and meekness under injustice and oppression, his ready forgiveness and noble benevolence towards his unnatural brothers represent the Savior's uncomplaining endurance of the malice and abuse of wicked men and his forgiveness, not only of his murderers, but of all who have come to him confessing their sins 
and seeking pardon.